Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, good morning, everybody. This is Jeremy Evans, the host of uh, Believe in Sports Law via the Believe Podcast Network. Today is Monday, April 6, 2020, and we have a terrific show for you. And we'll be talking with Norman Wayne, Norm for short, a uh, good friend of mine. He's the general counsel and chief of business affairs at USA Track and Field. Obviously, been very busy in general, but uh, even more so of late with everything going on with the coronavirus. And uh, he's also a board member with the Sports Lawyers Association. So, uh, Norm, how are you doing today? What's going on with you? Not too bad, you know. Um, I'm in quarantine. So, uh, working at home, trying to keep things moving along at uh, USA Track and Field. A lot happening in the Olympic movement um, in the last 21 days. Um, everything from the postponement and recent collateral issues that come from that on top of um, COVID-19 and the movement. Um national governing bodies. Um, how are you? I'm good. No, thanks. Um, you know, obviously same situation, um, a lot going on. And, you know, I think uh, it's funny before we, um, we got on today, we were having a great conversation about um, sort of the sports landscape and what you kind of, what we can kind of see looking forward. Um, and I'd love to ask you that question, but at least just for the listeners, if you could give us, Norm, a little bit of a background on sort of how you got where you are and, um, and what you're currently doing for, uh, for USA Track and Field. Absolutely. So I was fortunate to be admitted to the University of California up at Berkeley, Go Bears. Um, after that, I went to uh, Pepperdine Law School in Malibu, from there, I mean, I I knew after my first year of law school that I did not want to pursue a traditional legal career. My passion was sport, and I was really committed to pursuing a career that would stay true to my passion and keep me involved in the world of sports and entertainment. Uh, I have worked for a Hollywood talent agency called Writers and Artists. Um, I was at Fox Sports um, for a little period doing World Cup. It was a World Cup magazine show on Fox Sports World at the time. So this is in the 90s. Um, kind of bouncing around in those jobs. I had some time at Finish Line. It was an athletic specialty retailer. It's a publicly traded company, and then when the opportunity presented itself to um, transition into a within the Olympic movement, um, I pounced on that opportunity, and here I am, ten years later. That's awesome. Um, and then, Norm, what would you sort of say, like uh, some of the work that you, I guess. Um, have been doing for USA track and field and then how has that work sort of changed, uh, with everything going on? Um, you know, basically what since February, March. Yeah, well, I mean, my role is to support our CEO, Max Siegel and our chief operating officer, 
um, Renee Washington as we go through and pursue our business and the strategic initiatives and our strategic plan. And so the role encompasses everything from transactional work, uh, negotiating contracts, sponsorship agreements, license agreements, that kind of thing, um, IP monitoring and enforcement, uh, overseeing and running our agent program, our anti-doping program, um, meeting with others within the organization uh, and going over their business affairs needs on a regular basis and make sure that we are supporting them, dealing with all of the governor, national federation. Um, so <laughs> I was recently appointed on the governance commission for World Athletics, which is the International Federation. Broad-ranging uh, role um, that's exciting, that presents all types of unique challenges on a daily basis, and, um, you know, is a non-stop um, demanding um, role. Well, Norm, let's talk a little bit about the um, the sort of current stuff going on is have a little conversation about it. And we were talking about this a little bit before we got on today, but just sort of like where we sort of see sports going and whether things will get back to normal and sort of as a preface to that. And we were kind of saying that, you know, there's really two things going on. One is, is that whether people will actually get back to normal, even when um, sort of rules and regulations are lifted and will people actually go to public stadiums and, um, sort of see how that goes. And then uh, of course, sort of, um, how it might look, uh, with regard to, you know, and we sort of dealt with, it, like, with the terrorism, you know, issues in terms of regulation and whether we'll even be allowed to get into sort of huge groups anymore. What are your, what, so what, what are your, some of your thoughts on that and sort of insights there? Well, I, I think it's important that we look at the, the, sports and entertainment landscape as it is right now and and how it's changing in general before even really having to dive into to some of those issues and so how is sport being consumed the days of leagues having big contracts with um uh, um networks that broadcast on on television <clears throat> are changing to the point now where content can be consumed online or on your phone. Um, it can be consumed as the live event or <clears throat> condensed versions of the events or um, focused highlights with commentary. I mean, it, it is being packaged and repackaged in different ways to meet consumer demand. And so that's been an evolving landscape in and of itself. And then now you factor in some of the issues that are happening globally with this pandemic and how that might impact the actual in-stadium or live event consumption of the sports product and how that could change going forward. And Again, I mean, it's it's challenging and wrought with with its own dynamics as 
as leagues and different sports properties try to come up with plans. But yeah, no, so that's fascinating what you were saying uh, with regard to like content consumption and, you know, how that might look. And, 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 and frankly, that's a really good point because in some sense, before this current pandemic hit, we were already dealing with a lot of these changes in um, distribution and disruption of the sort of traditional linear television model. And where you see, you know, Facebook and Twitter and um, some of these other social media platforms and streamers now looking at getting into the sports game and and what that might look like, you know, going forward. So um, it, in terms of like, what would be thought? a boom for esports, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. No, exactly. I, did you, were you able to catch the uh, iRacing? I don't know if you're a racing fan or not, but. Um, I was definitely starved for some content, and I, w- I watched the i the i racing with NASCAR a few weeks back. I did not catch it, but I've been reading about like similar things that you described. And again, in a world where there are so many media outlets that are that are focused on promoting uh, sports content, and that is that well is completely dry. It's interesting to see how. You know they are trying to keep pace in in this current environment, right? No, that's for sure. Uh, you think, Norm? I don't know if you can answer this or not, but do you think we might ever see some of that esports with U.S. track and field and some of those things there? Um, you know, it's an interesting question. Um, uh, there's some litigation pending with the NCAA. I'm sure you're aware of that with regard to name, image, and likeness and how that plays out. And so that plays an integral role in, um, like, on the gaming side of it. Um, but, um, you know, it's it'll be interesting to see how, how this plays off in, in eSports settings. For sure. And, you know, it's, it's interesting with regard to that, like the Fair Pay to Play Act and all those things going on with regard to NCAA athletes. You know, it, it is interesting because one of the comments, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, one of the thoughts that I've sort of heard out there is that, um, that really the Olympics has really kind of been ahead of the game in the sense that, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Olympic athletes are allowed to get into endorsement deals when they're competing, but obviously when they go back to school, they have to um, obviously not allowed to do that. And that's kind of in some sense, similar to this name, image, and likeness, um, some of the legislation and obviously Congress and NCAA considering it in some sense, it's really kind of playing catch up with some of these Olympic sports. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I don't know that, that that's an accurate assessment, right? Uh, <clears throat> if you're an NCAA athlete, you've got to be you've got to be governed by NCAA rules and you got to make sure that you comply to maintain your NCAA eligibility so that part is happening regardless of whether they are competing in an olympic setting so it it could impact us if you have olympic athletes that are competing in championships and their ability to collect and utilize prize money so um the pay for play stuff that you are referencing is going to impact or has the potential to impact a lot of Olympic sports, track and field or volleyball or some of these other sports 
that are very popular but might not be revenue generating at the NCAA level. And if the NCAA loses out on some of this money, or maybe losing out isn't the right word, but if if they are distributing this money with athletes and there's less of it to go to fund some of then that creates issues in and of itself and how athletic departments are going to maintain funding for some of these other sports. And that's... And then, Norm, you know, that brings up an interesting point with streamers like DAZN and Flow Sports and with a lot of these like, sort of uh, social media uh, platforms, there's been a lot of, and especially now with ESPN8, the Ocho and all that stuff, and uh, with Quibi coming out with the replay, which is going to be a 10-minute ESPN show on that new platform. You see a place for track and field playing a bigger role in the broader sports sort of context in terms of people uh, consuming more of that product going forward since there's so many more platforms and we're not relying on traditional television models anymore? hundred percent. I think you're dead on there. Um, different non-traditional media outlets to promote their content, to grow their, their fan base and their membership base, um, to grow interest in the sport, to help with their... And so <clears throat> the issue, it's much like you know, I'm going to start dating myself here, but, you know, there there was a time where there were only like three or four channels on television to watch or what was on each network. And then now there are thousands upon thousands of channels, not to mention um, non-cable or non-linear networks where the content exists out there. There's a lot of good content. It's just you got to be able to find it and um to in order to consume it and so that's that's been some of those challenges oh for sure and then and then norm just two last quick questions one is sort of um and you know obviously you know if you can't answer this question but with regard to the olympics like what were some of like the issues going into making that decision and um in terms of even if from like a if you weren't involved directly in the decision um, what were some of the ideas or some of the things that were going around there with regard to postponing the Olympics and what were some of the thought processes there? I thought you said this was a quick question, Jeremy. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that there's, there are a lot of, con- to properly answer the question, it's important to, to put everything in context that, that this isn't really a unilateral decision, right? There's, like sport governance, but the Olympic movement governed by the IOC, um, handled domestically by the USOPC in terms of who is going and attending international federations that govern each individual sport. You have multiple sports and multiple disciplines that provide, that, you know, have athletes that go content. When you're dealing with a situation like that, and then you've got broadcasters and sponsors um, to factor in, and most importantly, and this is where their safety, their emotional, physical, um, and uh, mental well-being is extremely important, and making sure that they have adequate thing that they need to do in order to be competitive at the games, I think, is 
is extremely important. And so, and then understanding the landscape, for example, within our sport, we were working with a local organizing committee world championships. So the first time that the track and field world championships are going to be hosted on American soil was supposed to happen initially in 20. So we, you know, there was multiple years kind of leading up into that. And then you have these games in 20. And so again, we're just focused on track and field now, but summer of 20 to some other time is complicated because it has a ripple effect within the international federation that governs the sport and then multiply that by all the different other sports that send athletes to the games and you start to see the complexities of the decision from the local organizing committee perspective from the ioc perspective from an international sports federation perspective and then the national governing body perspective and then usatf is the national governing body for the sport of track and field in the united states and our ceo was focused on making sure that athlete safety was paramount and we started meeting with the leadership of our various constituency groups, including our athletes, and um, starting to understand the concerns and the frustrations that they had with this fluid and evolving situation. And at the end of the day, knowing that it was a, a complex analysis, it was still in their best interest, we felt, to make the recommendation to the USOPC that the games be postponed, and, and that's what we ended up doing. No, that's a really good insight there, Norm, because you know ultimately it's not just uh, it's not just the sponsors and the television contract that you hear about with like NBC. It's it's uh, it's obviously the athletes preparing. It's the safety of the fans. It's um, any sort of individual deals with the with the cities or um, you know obviously in countries preparing for it and. So it's a, there's a lot that goes behind that for sure. Um, and from the athlete's perspective, you're training your entire life for a competition that could be decided by, you know, a thousandth of a second. And that makes a difference between Olympic glory and sponsorship and fame and all of these other opportunities or, you know, not having that. And that's, that's really, you know, difficult to wrap your mind around if you're not in that environment and, and dealing with it on a regular basis and understanding, you know, the, the motivations and the concerns that they have leading into this one transformational type of event. Right. No, good points there, Norm. Then I'll, I'm gonna uh, we'll end it off with a with an easier question, <laughs> I hope. And uh, tell us a little bit about the Sports Lawyers Association and um, and how you got involved there, and and, and currently what you're doing uh, as a board member. Well, thank you. Yeah, for that um, Sports Lawyers Association. For anyone interested in becoming involved in sports law. They have a great annual conference um, that is the who's who 
of legal practitioners within the major sports and you know some of the the other sports properties or organizations that deal a lot in sport um, and so it's a great chance to to get to know folks there and network and understand some of the um, legal issues that they're dealing with in the day because you know it's going to you're going to need to deal with it at some point and to be able to have a network of folks that you can call who've already dealt with the issue in a very coherent and um, comprehensive way, I think only enhances your value as a legal practitioner. So I, I deem that as a, a fairly invaluable conference to attend. Um, I've been fortunate. Uh, Bobby Hacker is the current president. He asked um, Laith Gafur and myself to co-chair the outreach committee, which we have been doing now for the past couple of years. And we have been focused on trying to have uh, local events um, where sports SLA members can um, gather and network and do CLE or social networking at sporting events or over, over the lunch hour um, in their home areas and continue to on that committee as SLA looks to adjust to this changing environment. So it's almost like we've come full circle here on the podcast, Jeremy, where we're back to. No, for sure. Well, Norm, I do appreciate your time. And uh, for all the listeners out there, this is Norm, Norm Wayne, who is the general counsel and chief uh, business affairs for USA Track and Field. So Norm, appreciate your leadership and everything that you're doing for uh for the USA and, and for the red, white, and blue and what you're doing for the team there. And, um, and, and obviously, uh, a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate the invitation. Uh, appreciate the diligence on your behalf. You guys do, you could do good work and I look forward to seeing you in the future. All right. Thanks. Noam. True classic tees believe podcast network. What's up? Super excited about a new sponsor for our show. Style is changing. Former wear is out. T-shirt is in. True Classic Tees are my favorite. It's based in L.A. and a T-shirt company that's on the rise. T-shirts are soft. They hold up in the wash and incredibly versatile. You could wear them out. You could wear them into work or around the house. And it sounds like we'll be doing a lot more of that very soon. And the best part, they're incredibly cheap. Only $15 and now you can get them for even less. So what's the call to action today? Go to trueclassictees.com and use the code at checkout. Believe. B-L-E-A-V. For 20% off, that's Believe, B-L-E-A-V, at trueclassictees.com. BetOnline.ag. While you're waiting out this at home with us, you can still have some fun betting at BetOnline.ag. With no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. But BetOnline still has hundreds of places to wager, including their online casino with poker and blackjack. But sports aren't totally done. There's still eSports, American Idol, Big Brother, The Elections, The Spelling Bee. There's $750,000 poker series. There is still fun to be had, so go to betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. That's M-Y-P-O-D 100 to receive your welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and use the promo code MYPOD100. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. 
Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.